bold and raw perspectives of local politics, important information which impacts our community, nation, and world, exposing truth, transparency, and getting to the heart of relevant issues that you just won't see in the clickbait media, and always keeping it real. It's the Michelle Tanner Podcast. But I won't back down. Welcome, everyone, to the Michelle Tanner Podcast. I am super excited to introduce y'all to Paula Smith. She is running for St. George City Council. I have been pretty vocal about those who I feel would make amazing representatives for the city of St. George because I feel like that's really my duty to be transparent. Uh, you know, I've vetted many of the candidates, many of them I know personally. And over the last year and a half that I have been an elected representative, I can't even tell you the number of times I have had people reach out to me from the community and say, Michelle, who do you support? Who can we get in there that aligns with these values, with the proper role of government. And so it is election season. So I do feel it is a duty, responsibility, obligation to have a platform to allow these candidates to talk about their stances on the issues. And I really hope that each of you are personally vetting the candidates. I have opened up this platform for anyone who wants to come on the show. I've had Eros Mackey on. Catch that. That was episode two. And we're going to talk to Paula Smith. I'll have Brad Bennett on later on today. So definitely be informed. Ballots are literally being mailed out this week. So that's why I've really been pushing to get as much information out as possible. So let me just tell you a little bit about Paula Smith. I can tell you that she's a front runner right now. And you know how I know that? It's because she's being attacked probably more than almost any other candidate. And you know when you're over the target or when you're making people nervous and they start to go on the tack mode toward you, you're usually probably doing something right. And so I want to delve into some of these issues that you know have come up with Paula Smith a little bit of the background of how I got to know Paula is actually she was one a resident here who reached out over a year ago to the council when we were going through the truth and taxation process, when there was this essential marketing campaign from the city of St. George to increase taxes under the assumption of public safety when public safety should be line item number one. There should be no question that public safety is being properly funded regardless. And so Paula, she is so knowledgeable. She literally impressed me so much. She would reach out with very informed questions with actual solutions or, hey, have you looked at this? And I'm thinking, wow, I've delved through this budget and I didn't even notice that. And so I've been really impressed with her skill set, 
her ability to research and come up with viable solutions. She's not just a disgruntled resident who's saying, let's cut taxes. No, she actually knows her stuff and is very, very informed. So with that said, I want you all to get to know the Paula Smith that I know. Maybe Paula, just start with with your background and who is Paula Smith for those who don't know you? Well, thank you for having me on today. I appreciate the opportunity. So I am obviously a resident of St. George. We've lived here for 17 years. Um, Prior to moving here, I spent 10 years as a financial auditor, accountant, consultant, and I think after moving here, that that wasn't my career. I got into real estate and I've been a residential real estate for the past 16 years. The property taxes, as a result of being a real estate agent, I'm very focused on the property taxes. So anything I can do to advocate for that was always a priority. So last year, during the truth in taxation, when they were threatening to increase the property taxes, that got my attention. And I think I tried to look for a solution because that was the last thing I wanted to happen was to have the property taxes increase even further. So I tried to find, you know, I can't just call everybody on the council. Don't raise the taxes. Don't. I had to have a reason. Yeah. Which, by the way, I can tell you how much that is appreciated. I love it when people reach out, by the way, even if it's to tell me that they hate my guts. Right. I, I appreciate that they're at least caring enough about the community mm-hmm. to take the time to reach out, but then to bring it the step further of actually reaching out with viable, sensible solutions. That's a big deal. So I appreciate that about you. Thank you. Well, that got me looked on looking at the budget and... So I started, as you mentioned, I started to notice a lot of different areas that were questionable. Uh, and I tried to focus on the areas that could make a difference. You know, could we cut this? And that's like you said, when I started to reach out and ask questions, could this change? Could this change? And during that course, I just kept seeing more and more opportunities that could take away unnecessary expenses and shift it or eliminate it altogether and free up the money for public safety. I do think that should be line item number one, not a strategic tax increase during a truth in taxation. Uh, so I, I did feel that was critical and, and it brought back the accountant uh, auditing side of me and dusted off. <laughs> that, I love that yeah. experience that you bring to the table. So I've got to ask you, Do you hate parks? Do you want to defund (laughs) parks and recreation, Paula? No. So I love our parks. I love them so much that I haven't even been to all 50 of them. (laughs) Uh, So I do love them. I used to take the kids when they were young. Uh, We would jump from park to park. And so I do love the parks. I do love the golf courses. I don't want them changed or removed. But I also think... The city is not doing a, a good job or an efficient job um, running the golf courses or, you know, and I think we can take a minute on the parks. We've got, like I said, we've got 50 
Yeah. One thing that I've heard about this geobond, which we can delve into a little bit because this has been a, a big topic and question asked of the candidates running. It was voted on unanimously by the council to be placed on the ballot for the voters to vote on this November in the general election. And my position on it has been that of transparency. I can see the pros. I can see the cons. And the public deserves to know the pros and cons. I was very upfront in council meetings that my concern was that it would be a sales pitch to the public instead of let's also talk about the facts of that it was originally intended to be used for public safety. Uh, let's talk about, you know, some of the numbers associated with it. It's not free money, right? right? Does that mean we don't recognize that there's also some benefit to it as well? I think we do. And I won't speak for you. So maybe just tell us a little bit about your your feelings with the geobond. So I'm glad that the voters do get a say. Unlike the truth in taxation last year, they didn't. It was all up to the council. And you were always not for the truth and taxation increase, which obviously we appreciated. The others were for it. They backed down after public pressure. Oh, one didn't, but the rest did. Which So to be clear, Danielle Larkin was the only council member to vote in favor of raising taxes last year. Yeah, motion to go ahead and proceed. Uh, so I am glad that the public will be able to decide. Now, for me as a voter, I will not vote for the geo bonds on the November ballot. And specifically, I think what causes concern for me, I mean, aside from it isn't free money, they don't mention if this bond expires or when this bond expires, your taxes will actually go down a little bit. They don't really mention that as much. But more importantly... The city council has already gone on record indicating that they plan to raise taxes next year. Property taxes. They've already mentioned it for public safety. Again, equipment and whatnot. So my question is, if we know today that we're going to increase property taxes to pay for public safety next year, why is this geobond not for public safety instead of parks? I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. And and then we could utilize, um, you know, quote unquote, this amazing opportunity to not raise taxes. Well, that just means we're going to raise taxes when the public safety truth and taxation comes in next year, assuming that the silent um, powers get their candidate elected that will, in fact, vote to raise the taxes next year in the truth and taxation. Right. And I think that's a, a valid point for sure, because, you know, I, someone who's sat in all the meetings, I can tell you there have been people who have gone on record saying we will raise mm -hmm. taxes and, you know, likely next year, because guess what? It's not an election year. Right. Do you think that plays into? Absolutely. Yes. It plays into it. So, you know, with the geobond, one thing that I brought up in a meeting was, well, could we potentially use, say, half of it for public safety and the other half to revitalize, refurbish some of these parks? Because I do feel passionate that we need to keep our current infrastructure in good condition. That is important, certainly, that we are maintaining those current assets and and let's just kind of put a kibosh to the myth going around, too, that for some reason, if this geobond didn't go through, that 
all the parks would be bulldozed. Uh, we have impact fees that also pay for new parks. We have wrap tax that pays for parks and recreation. And we have some general fund monies that are also used now would it be impacted as far as the scale of new projects? Oh, absolutely, which is why I do see the pros of it as well. So I think it's a valid point for you to bring up, though, that that focus on public safety and that it in no way means that you don't understand the benefits of, of parks and recreation, right? I love the parks. And yes, just like you said, we can't get rid of them. We can't stop taking care of them. We can't stop improving them. But what we can do is scale it back a little bit as far as new build, new construction, stop with all the bling right. and just keep our current parks and there's still room for improvement, $4,500 in impact fees for every new home built. Are they collecting that? I don't know. Maybe they're giving sweet builder deals. I don't know. But that's a lot of money for the homes that are built. So where is that money going? And, and and there should still be some room to build. Yeah. And let's maybe delve into some specifics because other criticism that I will hear is, well, you're just using buzzwords like lower taxes and cut waste and you don't really know what you're talking about. So maybe let's delve into some specifics because I know personally you have delved into that budget. Are there things specifically that you've looked at that you think if you were to get elected that you would like to delve into further and maybe make certain things more efficient? Could you speak to any of those specifics? There's a lot of different items that I have questions on. And of course, it wouldn't be up to me completely, my decision to, to do anything. But what I, yes, there are a lot of things I wanted to look at. I think the first thing that comes to mind would be there's a communications department, which is new. It started in 2020. Um, if I'm not mistaken, their budget was maybe three or 400,000. There's only three or four employees. It's now up to 600,000. And there's still only three or four employees. Um, there's webmasters in there. And I'm curious, you know, because we pay 600000 for those employees and their benefits and whatnot. Uh, but we are outsourcing. The city is outsourcing uh, to, to do a brand new website. And I believe that was sixty five or 85000 for the first year. So I'm just curious about that. I guess my... You know, I don't want to say that I need to cut people or cut, but I do think there are too many people, too many cooks in the kitchen, maybe, is a good way to tr to describe it. I think there's a lot of employees that are maybe, maybe there's too many in some departments. Maybe they can be moved to other departments where they're lacking or need some more help or guidance or whatnot. But I think we have a lot of employees, and I think part of that is, you know, running the... Um, parks and the golf courses and, and all of those departments have so many employees, $18 million is allocated for parks and services alone within the budget. A lot of that is employees and groundskeepers and all, and not that they're not important, they are, but if the city was kind of pushed into uh, maybe leasing or having another company come in, it could get a lot of employees off of the city payroll and they would still be employed. Right. Yeah. Because there would still be a need to, you know, take the golf courses, right. for instance, which I understand deeply as a sacred cow here in St. George, yeah. Utah. I don't know anyone myself and I'll let Paula speak to her opinion on that. But 
I certainly don't want to see the golf courses go away or be bulldozed. That's one thing that my opponents, that's probably their favorite yeah. line to spread against me is, oh, Michelle Tanner wants to bulldoze all the, all the golf courses, which simply isn't true. I do think it is wise to always evaluate the best options for the taxpayer uh, when you look at literally a service, a, a hobby, if you will, that is being subsidized by the taxpayer and also government competing with the private sector, there's actually companies, and, and Paula, you can probably speak to this, but there's companies that specialize in taking over and running municipal courses, actually improving the courses because historically municipal courses are usually the ones that are more outdated and not run as well as the private sector. And so still maintaining and keeping all of the great benefits of having the course, but maybe there's ways to explore that would be more beneficial for the taxpayer and less of a a competition with the private sector, but what's your feeling on when it comes to the golf courses? I absolutely don't want them changed, removed. Uh, people buy homes on golf courses because there is a golf course. So, you know, there was that one golf course right off of I-15. It started out, it sort of fizzled out. People built houses up there and then it just went away. That's That was a terrible tragedy for those people. Right. So I absolutely would not want the golf courses to be sold or removed or changed in that fashion. Uh, but it can all be negotiated. You can lease to those uh, specialty companies and you still have a say. And you can still negotiate programs for our students like the JAG program. You know, they talk about the student benefits. You can negotiate all of that. And still have it. And the reason that our, you know, courses aren't as popular as Entrada or some of those, you know, they get all of the fancy programs that come in because they're higher end and they're, you know, better run golf courses. And the golf courses lose money. And they applied a huge credit this year, which was COVID money, to make it appear that there was profit and there's still not any profit. But, you know, last year we came at them pretty hard showing that there was no profit. So I've, I'm figuring that's why they slid that COVID money over. But, you know, that's another thing about the transparency. Why don't they notate that? Why don't they notate the transparency and say, hey, this isn't actual profit. We're still in the red, but we'll make it look a little more green with this money. Yeah, I'm still, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that I'm still trying to wrap my mind around because going through in depth that budget and, and golf in particular, because that is the, the narrative that is always put out there is how profitable it is. But you're right. I mean, when you actually delve into those profit loss statements, if we're being generous, I mean, even saying they break even would be generous with how well they've done since COVID because absolutely they've done better since COVID. Before that, it was a huge money pit. But even with that, this last year, even with having great years, the courses still lost money last year and capital projects, that's an expense 
expense that shouldn't be counted as a revenue. And and as you mentioned, a part of those money transfers going in actually being from the CARES Act, which is COVID money. And I don't know how many people realize that, but I think that's important information for for the taxpayers to know. It's it's the narrative that they're pushing that, you know, now they can come back and say, no, we had a profit. See, it's there, but it's not there. And it's just a demonstration of the course still being poorly run. Again, not to say we need to get rid of it. We don't. But what we're doing is something wrong in business. All of the city businesses, first of all, they shouldn't be competing with the private sector, but they're all losing money. And when you're losing money on virtually everything you do, that's a problem especially because the the money being lost isn't even theirs. It's the taxpayers. Right. I know for me, that was when I first got elected. One of the first boards I was put on was over at the Sand Hollow Aquatic Center. And one of those first meeting, looking at the financial statements of realizing, whoa, we lose actually hundreds and thousands of taxpayer dollars, which you know, I understand to an extent that it's not government isn't in business, right, to make a lot of money, but also those decisions, we really have to take responsibility when we are looking at even funding those type of facilities in the first place of, is this the proper role of government or would this be something that the private sector could do and make more successful and the burden wouldn't be placed on the taxpayer? Yeah, I agree. I think that's the biggest problem I have with all of the spending. I, You know, they do a lot of things, right? I hate to come in like I'm negative and I don't like this. I'm not. I think you know, doing this was never part of my plan. (laughs) And the farther I got into this process, you know, the more clear and um, obvious everything became that it wasn't part of the plan, but it is necessary. And I see it more now than I did before. But, you know, I love St. George. I love the area. I think there's so many things that are done right. But I also think that the spending is getting out of control uh, and they do come at me every time uh, I say anything, it seems. Um, yeah, they, my the next phase I'm sure is underway. I'm guessing they're going to spin it that I worry about, um, you know, I bring up the property taxes a lot. Uh, Which gonna, I think the public appreciates, by the way. Who who doesn't care about what our property tax rates are, right? It's true. And I, I, I do think that my next attack will probably be something along those lines that I'm worried more about a state issue instead of a local issue. But my um, comment back to that is it's very much a local issue. The, the t- truth in taxation raises property tax. It was going to happen last year and it's going to happen again next year if we don't get the right people in. Right. So what other issues do you see with the growth we have here, obviously, in St. George? Are there other areas that you feel should be addressed and that you would advocate for as a member of the council? I appreciate the growth. I wish it was more of a controlled growth. I think part of that, again, goes back to the tax system. Uh, They've got their budget set up so that they only make money on growth. And so that's a little bit of a conflict because the public doesn't want mass growth. Uh, 
but the city needs the growth to keep their budget money flowing. So I do think that's a bit of a conflict I think they need to address. I, I want, I'm an advocate for sensible growth, smart planning, sticking to the master plan and not continually changing it. Uh, I think we need a little bit of everything, uh, not just specific high density, low density. I think we need a variety spread around so that we're not, you know, two years ago or three years ago, they started focusing only on short-term rentals. We're good now. We're good on those. And I think that those are adding a little bit to the issues of housing because then our residents aren't able to find traditional rentals. Yeah, that's, I'm actually curious because given your your experience in real estate, because that's another hot topic that comes up, right, is affordable housing or AKA, literally they've changed this verbiage mm. because they've done polls and they know that affordable housing is almost a derogatory term because those of us who like limited government, we don't want government involved in our housing process. So they've literally changed the term to attainable housing and that's strategic. But yeah. what are your thoughts on that coming from your experience? Uh, well, the government can't make houses more affordable. Uh, you can't force a builder to build a less expensive house. You can't make those requests on the public. You know, we need you to build a less expensive house. You you can't do that. I think there are things that the builders can do that will cut costs on some of them, but it's a market-driven, it's free market, and it's market-driven. Our prices aren't going to miraculously drop because a builder puts out 30 homes that are 1,500 square feet. The prices are gonna still be the prices. Um, so I do think, though, that we can, again, create a variety of townhomes, condos, twin homes, single family homes, I think if we add the variety and there's, you know, I'm not saying mass building, but I think if we streamline the process, it's such a lengthy process from start to finish. And I think if there were more streamlined approaches to doing that, we could become a more efficient and effective machine. The, there's another state, I believe it's Seattle. And I think that they're doing a great job with specifically ADUs at um, accessory dwelling units. They also call them DSDU or something like a detached. Mm -hmm. And I'm familiar. I built an ADU in, in our house and I wanted to do it for years, but they kept telling me, no, no, you can't do it because they were classifying it as a casita, which is a different build than an ADU. So once I realized the correct terminology, I realized it, it was something I can do. Well, Seattle has something in place where they have a streamlined person. It's just a person dedicated to that department. And they have blueprints online, lots of them. You can choose. They have names of builders that are willing to build it. If you choose one of their plans, and your property obviously has to meet certain criteria, but if you fall into that, it's a streamlined, quick approval. You don't have to go through the process. I love that. And I think that if more people were able to get the uh, ADUs done quicker, we would have less of a crap. I mean, how many times do you read that on Facebook posts? You know, I just need a casita. I need a studio, right. something affordable. Right. There's people that have plenty of room to do this, but the process can take, you know, a year or two 
Right. Yeah. Essentially cutting through that government red tape, yeah. right? Anything to, to get the government out of the way right. and, and speed up. And I've had residents reach out to me personally who, who actually have an ADU and they are trying to make ends meet, maybe need some supplemental income and are wanting to even short term rent just the, the ADU and it's yeah. owner occupied. Do right. you have a position on those owner occupied ADUs as far as renting it out short term versus long term? I am for Hurricane does similar where if you live in the property, you can rent the a room or, or your um, ADU. And I think that's a great option. I am absolutely for that. I think the biggest problems with those short-term rentals are when the owner lives out of state or out of the country and they're not able to um, keep control over you know the, the people that are there to, to stay. So if you live in the house... I don't understand why you wouldn't be able to do that. And I, I think it works fine. You know, Hurricane does it in a limited, well, no, actually they allow, I think anybody can do it there when you live there. I haven't heard of any problems coming from that. And I think that's something we should explore. If you live in the house, why would you not be able to rent your room? Right. Because it really eliminates the major concerns that I hear about with short term rentals of, oh, they're disrupting the neighborhood. They're bringing in buses of people. And well, if the owner lives in the house, right. are they really going to be allowing this big disruption to occur? Right. Right. I agree. I, I think it is going to be a lot more controlled with the owner on site. And there just really isn't if you live there, there really isn't any reason why you shouldn't be able to do that. So I, I do take that position that we should enact that. Right. Yeah. And I've heard you bring up some other important points about our infrastructure, our sidewalks, maybe kind of elaborate on what what big projects do you think are are good going on right now in the city of St. George with infrastructure? What could we maybe improve upon? So my only complaint, if you will, with the, the, the infrastructure and what goes on in St. George is we always have this reactive approach almost everything. So rather than put up a subdivision or in, you know, let people move in, get families already living there, then they start to think, wow, they have to walk down 3000 with no sidewalks. That's a problem. And I think that the city should do a more forward thinking. Uh, and maybe that falls on planning and, 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 the planning commission to have those things in place when everything opens. We shouldn't have families moving into subdivisions and then tearing up the streets again and blocking their entrances after. It just would make more sense if things were finished, specifically sidewalks. I know we had a section down Little Valley Road, and I, I don't know if the city, the city has changed their stance yet, but if the lot isn't developed, they don't require the sidewalks. So there would be a sidewalk coming from Little Valley Elementary or, or the middle school um, and a whole section of nothing because that lot was not developed yet. I think that that should be in. It was dangerous. It's it needs to be addressed. And I think those things should be in place. Yeah, could become a, a public safety issue. Right. And yeah. I think you're spot on with that as far as some of the feedback I've even heard from the public, because we do have several areas throughout St. George where similar to that, it was developed. There was no agreement with the developer, because a lot of times it's the developer who, if you're developing the community, that's a requirement that you're putting in that sidewalk curb and gutter. And, and there's areas where that hasn't occurred. So I think that's a valid, yeah. valid point to bring up. 
So we've got a few minutes left. I want you to have an opportunity to really hit on if there's any other topics that you feel like are are really important to the city of St. George. I love that you have really honed in on your experience and expertise in auditing in budgets. I'm with you. I know a lot of times we we talk about the negatives, especially when you are are running for a position because it's your job to really talk about your positions, but I think we probably both really love St. George and there are so many amazing aspects, so many things that are well run, which is why I know I'm passionate about staying in this game and making sure that we stay this amazing place that people are flocking to because the word is out about how amazing we are. So what do you see as other things that are amazing, that can keep us amazing or that you really want to focus on? I think maybe we should stop social media so they don't flock so much. <laughs> That's possible. The social media campaign out don't, there. Don't do the pictures as much on our secret places because now we can't get in. Uh, no, story. there's so many great places around here and I want to see those continue to succeed. I want to um, enjoy the area like everybody does. And I also am very passionate. Uh, I think that's the most in- inspiring part of this whole campaign. The campaign is grueling. And, you know, I've been facing attacks for pretty much everything I've said. I, I it, It's unexpected. Um, but, you know, the interesting thing is that even I have some campaign mates, if you will, that are also running. And it's been a great camaraderie, which is, you know, counterintuitive as far as their sort of competition, but not, but there's several of them that have just been so nice and supportive. And I just really appreciate all of that. And it's, and it's an example of what is St. George. Absolutely. It was our first experience moving. You know, we didn't know anybody when we moved, we had no ties moving here. And our very first experience was similar where the neighbors showed up with 14 guys to help us unload the car and we're not even sure what happened but that has never changed and I would have never want it to uh, it is the reason that most of us find St. George love St. George I mean we bought our house on our second visit we didn't even know anybody so it's a special place the people bond together and I love that uh, you know there's a lot of negative within this campaign, which I try not to focus on because there's just so much positive too. And and I can't lose myself in the negativity when the positivity is always here in St. George. And I think it's the people, even my campaign mates that are running, you know, they're special and, and we all seem to love St. George and want St. George and to keep the fire going Yeah. I love that you brought that up even about the campaign mates, because what that tells me is at least those who you feel you have that camaraderie with is that none of you are in this for you. This isn't about you. If it was, then you wouldn't be having a camaraderie with any of them, right? Right. You would be all about me, me, me. How can I get in? But no, it's, there's a greater purpose in this, right? That at least that's the takeaway I get from you saying that there's this camaraderie with you and some of the other candidates. Yeah. It was unexpected. Some of them I knew nothing. Well, all of them pretty much I knew nothing about. 
And some of them took me by surprise. They were just so kind and helpful. And, and I love that. And I've also tried to return the favor as far as being helpful. And, you know, even if I don't necessarily align with what they're thinking, there's been a couple of them that I still want to help and, and at least offer something, some sort of assistance, because I feel like if we lose ourselves in this competitive, mean game of campaign, right. what are we doing it for? Right. And it's important to keep the Dixie spirit alive and keep, you know, no more get along to get, you know, go along, go to, get along, along. to get along. Not so much that. I mean, I do have a firm stance on a lot of things, but we can do it and be kind to each other and not lose ourselves in that ugliness of the fight. Well, that's what I so much appreciate about you is because there is this this culture almost of what I will say, worshiping kindness over worshiping truth. Mm -hmm. It's gotten so much to the point. I literally put out a post the other day along the lines of society has become so weak that we now deem quote, I disagree with you mm -hmm. as being somehow hate speech or incivility. Absolutely not. We can disagree and even stick with facts of this is why I disagree mm -hmm. with you or this is the policy, right, that I disagree with you on. But what I admire so much about you is I can already tell that you're the type of person who once you're in there, you're not just going to roll over and say, okay, tell me what I'm supposed to do right. and how I'm supposed to do it. And I'm going to kind of stand in the corner because I don't want to offend anyone or make anyone mad. No, we need people who are qualified, mm -hmm. who know their stuff, who know how to work hard because none of us are perfect. We all don't have all of the answers, right? It takes time to get in there and really learn the things that we need to learn. But I know that you're the type that will get in there and be willing to ask the hard questions and yeah. not afraid to say, I disagree with you and here's why and do it in a respectful way. So I appreciate yeah. that about you. Thank you. I do think it's important. You do have to have a firm stance on everything. And whether they agree or disagree, you know, we got to remember who we're doing it for. And it's for the people. If we're not advocating for we, the people, we're doing something wrong. Absolutely. Got to keep them first and foremost. And you mentioned the Dixie spirit. Yes. Does the name Dixie offend you? Is that a racist term it's to you? strangely not offensive. I'm confused why it's the university is still Dixie State. And to me, I still refer to it as Dixie State. Hopefully... Maybe things will change and, and we'll get that back. Do you feel like there's an element to the community that has been impacted by this cancel culture agenda? The whole cancel culture agenda, I'm confused by the whole thing. I don't understand why anything would be removed or changed. In school, we grow up learning from our history whether it was right or wrong, we learn from the errors. We we learn and we evolve. And so erasing it and removing statues and changing names, I don't understand it because it's sort of opposite of what we were appreciating our history, learning from our history, doing right because we did wrong. You can't just erase it and expect everybody to keep moving forward. Right. We have to look back on our past to know where we're going in our future. Yeah, I love that. So final thoughts, Paula, we've got a couple minutes. I want you to be able to hit on any 
last key issues that you want to make sure that the voters know about? Also, how can they learn more about you? How can they contact you? How can they help you? Because I know you already have a lot of support. If y'all didn't watch the debate at the university, actually, with the Chamber of Commerce, I think Paula got the loudest applause there, which I think is why the attacks are, are coming out, because people are realizing that Paula's got support. This girl, this girl knows what she's doing. So go ahead and give us some of your final thoughts. The that speech was unexpected. I did not expect I didn't know how it was going to go. I, I don't even think I really thought it through. All I did was speak my truth and it was received well. And I appreciate that it was a humbling experience. So I think I would leave it with the most important thing is to be active, uh, support on social media, calling me if you have any questions. Let me set the record straight. I've tried to post all my positions when I get questions from people. Which I appreciate. You have in-depth blog posts. Like the yeah. GeoBond, for instance, if you want to know where she stands, she has written in-depth yeah. on her website her position and backs that up with her facts and research. Yeah. PaulaSmithCityCouncil.com. All of my stances all of my blogs, where I, where my positions are, any questions I get, I put on there too. And I encourage anybody to reach out. If you're hearing one thing and you're wondering if that's true, call me or send an email. I love it. And I love that you stand up for not censoring. No censoring. Public Stop. comment. Yes. yes. Awesome. Thanks so much, Paula. And thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Thanks for being a part of the Michelle Tanner podcast. Please like, follow, subscribe, and share. And always remember to keep exposing truth. But I won't back down. No, I won't back down. This has been a production from a podcast studio.